We'll check in on some noteworthy developments for a few pitchers, consider whether Chris Bryant is worth his ADP, and check out some of our colleagues' bold predictions. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have not had uh, three cold brews yet. Got ahead of me on uh, my my caffeine question, so glad glad to know that there's been uh, some caffeination in your life. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy in 15 on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball at 15 for Friday, February 28th. Al Melkier here with Michael Beller. And uh, I definitely want to get to this Chris Bryant conversation with you, but I do think there's a few uh, headlines here that are worth uh, at least getting a quick reaction to. Uh, and, and the first one is really not surprising. It's really more of a confirmation. Chris Sale is not going to be the Red Sox opening day starter. He got a late start on his spring training due to about about with pneumonia and prior to that about with the flu and he may uh, even begin the year on the injured list so it's not even necessarily just that the start gets pushed back a day or two and uh also jeff samarja his name is starting to get mentioned in some rumors possibly maybe even going to the yankees and griffin canning he is going to have an mri on his right elbow that's of course not good news at all so sales samarja canning uh, what strikes you here is worth paying attention to? I hate this Griffin Canning news, Al. I hate it because he was a guy who I was already really excited about. You love the talent. I wasn't concerned at all really about the up and down uh, performance that he had last season. That's going to happen to a lot of guys his age getting their first exposure to Major League Baseball. The swing and miss stuff was there. It was obvious, and I was really excited about him coming into his first full season with a clean bill of health, now that looks like, even if this is clean, right? I mean, that's not necessarily going to be the case. So that's really the big bummer to me. It's going to be hard to draft him, depending on what we hear from the news. Chris Sale, hard to draft as well. I don't imagine you're going to get much of a discount. And if you're not getting much of a discount, a guy who's had the injury history that he has had, I got to imagine that I'm not going to have a whole lot of Chris Sale on my teams. Yeah, I think people may be already discounting sale a little bit just based on last year. So I don't think that this news, like I said, really not that that much news to begin with. I think it's more of a confirmation of what was expected and uh, people already maybe a little more lukewarm on Chris Sale than they were a year or two ago. So and then just to to, uh, tie up this uh, trio of items. I'm not happy about seeing Jeff Samarja discussed as a possible uh, trade uh, trade chip for the Giants. Uh, I think he's really a value right now in terms of where he's going, and having uh, Oracle Park as a home venue is just such a, a valuable thing for pretty much any pitcher. You see his great quote about getting potentially traded to the Yankees? Something like, just give me number two and let me keep my uh, long hair. <laughs> I did see that, yeah. <laughs> so good. We'll see how, so we'll see how that works out. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, you guys, like I said, I do want to get to this Chris Bryant discussion. It's one we've sort of started offline. And because, frankly, today is not one of the bigger, busier news days, uh, this is a perfect opportunity for us to dig in a little deeper because I think we've got maybe a little bit of a difference of opinion. Oh, more than a little bit, Al. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Well, then we will get right to it. Uh, Let me just lay down sort of the baseline numbers for Bryant right now. Uh, he is seventh among third basemen, and I'm just going to stick with third base. And, of course, we all yeah. know that he's, he's outfield eligible too. But seventh among third base in ADP for NFBC leagues with an overall ADP of 57. Sixth 
on Fantasy Pros, which is, of course, an amalgam of uh, different sites. Uh, so sixth there in ADP among third basemen with a 47 overall ADP. So, you know, split the difference there. You know, going roughly top 50, 55 players overall, uh, you know, sixth or seventh top third baseman. What to me makes this interesting and maybe worrisome in terms of targeting Chris Bryant is that last year he finished 10th among third basemen in roto value. And I thought that last year, in a way, he kind of got away with some better stats than maybe he deserved and better stats than maybe he's going to put up this year. Uh, the last two years, he's hit 272 and 282. I'm not really going to delve into the, the power or the run production because mm-hmm. I don't really have any big questions or concerns about those numbers that he's put up but his expected batting average so in 2018 272 expected batting average 255 not a huge chasm there but it's really 2019 that sort of makes that look worse he hit 282 in real life but the expected batting average all the way down to 246 so you're you know comparing 272 and 282 as actual batting averages in back-to-back years 255 and 256 in terms of expected batting averages in back-to-back years. And when you do a reality check on expected batting average, one thing you could look at is pull rate because XBA doesn't really take that into account. And if anything, if it did, his XBA would be lower than it was because he's incredibly pull heavy, especially with ground balls. So that really worries me about uh, Bryant as somebody who may take a dip in value this year despite having said all that i do have him in my rankings among third basemen in eighth place but he's tightly nested or tiered with lemayhu moncada and suarez so if i'm you know looking at third base there and all four of those players are still on the board i'm almost certainly passing on bryant thinking i can get moncada or suarez later and probably get similar production so that's my case against chris bryant What's your case for Chris Bryant? All right. Well, first, let me take that ground ball thing. I mean, we're not really too concerned about the ground balls unless he's hitting a ton of them, right? I mean, ground balls are only going to be singles. Maybe they're right down the line and they're doubles. So, I mean, a lot of hitters are going to pull their ground balls. Uh, Bryant's going to get that extreme shift. So, whatever. I'm not too concerned about him pulling too many ground balls. Let me take you back to May 5th of last year. On May 5th of last year, Chris Bryant wakes up probably looking very handsome. He was hitting 234, (laughs) 371, 421 with three homers. He hit a home run that day. He hit a home run the next day. He hit a home run the day after that. He hit a home run on May 9th and one more on May 12th. And from that point forward, this guy had awoken 294, 384, 546, 28 homers in 502 plate appearances the rest of the season. Now I'm going to take you back a little bit farther, Al, into the 2018 season. He was having a huge year all the way up until uh, the end of May when he suffered that left shoulder injury that completely wrecked his 2018 season. And I think bled into the 2019 season as well. And that's why he got off to such a slow start last year. We talked about Aaron Judge on uh, yesterday's show, right? And I I wasn't too concerned about his shoulder because it's his right shoulder, his back shoulder when he's hitting. Chris Bryant was his left shoulder, his lead shoulder. That's going to sap power. And we saw that for Chris Bryant in the back half of 2018 and the beginning of 2019. Conveniently, and this is just, I mean, this is, you know, like meant to be. If you take his pre-shoulder injury numbers in 2018 and put them together with his post-May 5 numbers of 2019, that comes out to exactly 162 games. This was like divine intervention here. And if in that 162-game stretch, 
293, 398, 547, 36 homers, 40 doubles, 89 RBI, and 11.4% walk rate. I am not concerned in the least about a healthy Chris Bryant. We have every reason to believe that he is healthy coming into this season. I do think you can get a little bit worried if you're looking for run production about the fact that David Ross says he's going to be their leadoff man and Chris Bryant has the skills to be a leadoff man. So I think he will succeed in that role and will stay atop the lineup for likely all of the season unless they someone else you know pops up and presents himself as a good option and then they move Bryant down into a more traditional run producing spot in the lineup but for the time being we have to assume he's going to be this team's leadoff man for the entire year but that just means that the runs the runs scored I mean you, you can take that trade-off right you can find ways during your draft during your auctions to make that trade-off where you'll get RBI numbers elsewhere and you'll count on Bryant for more runs than you would have expected from a guy with his uh, traditional skill set so I just think that this guy is going to remind everyone why he won the MVP in 2016, why everyone thought he was going to be uh, just at the start of what was going to be potentially a Hall of Fame career that year. This is just a guy who I want to get on every single team. I think the ADP is a huge bargain. I am getting, I'm going to have so much Chris Bryant. I mean, it's pretty obvious. You can hear the excitement in my voice. I'm going to have so much, and I'm getting him at that price. I I can't tell you how much Chris Bryant I'm going to have. It's going to be obscene how much Chris Bryant is on my teams this year. But we're going to have to you know, follow up in three or four weeks and see exactly how much Chris Bryant you've got. Yeah, we are. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you, you know, uh, this segues perfectly into our featured read because I, I basically have one other counter argument. And it's, it, I've basically already made it, but I want to come back to it because it, this is the thing that it ultimately comes back down to me that even if you th- think that he's going to be healthy and you have strong, uh, strong faith in that, uh, you know, even if you are more convinced about, you know, the recent production later in 2019. And there's, you know, I think those are good arguments. Uh, there's still one thing that makes me a little reluctant to target Bryant, and this gets right to your uh, your bold prediction. So our featured read for today, uh, compiled by Jake Seeley, it's our, uh, from the, the, the athletic staff, the 2020 Fantasy Baseball Bold Predictions to Nelson Lamette, Tyler O'Neill, and more. That is the, the full title. Uh, the Tyler O'Neill, that's my contribution. We, we'll get to that in a little bit. But yours, your uh, bold prediction is that um, Yoan Moncada is going to finish in the top three for AL MVP voting. And I may be not willing to go quite that bold on Moncada, but I do think that he's going to hit another gear this year. So we're I think pretty much in agreement there. So just to bring it back to Chris Bryant for a second, I think that they could be very similar in value. I do have Bryant ranked a little higher than Moncada. So I'm not going to, I'm not going overboard here in terms of Moncada. I'd rather go with, um, you know, the more proven production of Bryant, even, you know, with XBA, maybe shedding a, a little bit of, of cold water on that. But um, I think that they'll be close enough and there's enough of a gap in ADP that I'd I'd waited out for Moncada. So, and I've done that already in some in some drafts. So, if you're faced with that predicament, given that you're really high on on Brian and <laughs> yeah. you're also really high on Moncada, <laughs> what do you do? All right, well, so I'm so bullish on both these guys that if it's really that black and white that I can get Bryant at his ADP or Moncada at his ADP guaranteed, 
then, you know, I'd be silly to say that I'm going to take Bryant at his if I'm, you know, equally as bullish as these two guys as I am. So in that specific, very specific situation, I would go Moncada. I would also just say, hey, I'll take them both and I'll figure it out. I'll play one in a corner <laughs> field spot. I'll play Moncada at second base. I'll play one at utility. I'll play Bryant in the outfield, whatever. I'll take both these guys. I love Yohan Moncada this season. Uh, we have to believe, and this is going into last year, really, of so, you know, with these these elite guys, these elite uh, prospects of evidence of things not seen, right? I mean, in fantasy, we always want to have numbers, hard numbers we can point to. This guy did this. That means he is going to ultimately do this, or he's capable of ultimately doing this. But sometimes, Al... These things just happen. These are still humans. As much as we want to have uh, the, uh, empirical things we can point to, these are guys who are you know young men growing and their bodies growing mentally, figuring out the sport that they're playing, and sometimes things just click, and we need to believe in the talent, believe in the scouts uh, sometimes, even if we don't always see it before it really happens. And that was what I loved about Yohan Moncada last year. He really put it all together. And I think he hits another gear because I think that this guy has a lot of room to get more aggressive in the strike zone as I lay out in that bold predictions column. Uh, had a 431 Woba last year on pitches inside the strike zone that was just behind Mike Trout, just ahead of Glaber Torres. But he swung at just 65.4% of pitches he saw in the strike zone right around league average. Freddie Freeman uh, is a guy who opened up his game by getting super aggressive on pitches inside the strike zone. And over the last few years, Freddie Freeman's been living in the low 80s in swing rate on pitches in the zone. That's where I want to see Moncada. Maybe realistically, he's not going to get up to 82 83% where Freddie Freeman is, but let's get him up to 75%, Alan. If he does that and forces pitchers into the zone and makes them pay, as we have seen him do already in his young career, whew, I think this guy really takes off this season. I love the infrastructure around him in that White Sox lineup. I think the RBI upside and the run upside is enormous. We know how that ballpark plays when it gets hot in Chicago. I think Yohan Moncada takes off. It's Mike Trout, Yohan Moncada, and someone finishing in the top three in <laughs> AL MVP voting. All right. Well, I'd love to come back to that someone, but I want to uh, highlight a few other these these bold predictions. And also, just as a side note here, love the reference to ex-Woba on pitches in the zone. That's such a great stat. Maybe we can dig into, into that a little bit on a future show as well. Uh, yeah, I uh, focused on Tyler O'Neill and Lane Thomas as the players who are going to get the most playing time in the Cardinals outfield corners and that if that happens and I'm predicting it will happen, they'll combine for 50 homers. I think I've actually talked about that on the show before. Um, but I want to uh, talk a little bit about DVR, you know, since he's not here, I think it's only, <laughs> uh, he yeah. said Corey Kluber will be a top 10 starting pitcher. I, you know, I think that that is kind of bold, but as far as bold predictions go, like that's one that makes a lot of sense to me. That doesn't seem crazy at all. Yeah, I like that one. I, I'm not that bullish, but I, Kluber is a guy who I find myself coming back to again and again and again as a guy who is just going to be that boring veteran no one wants to take. The The first guy I think of when I think of that is when people being a little bit low on Clayton Kershaw last year. Now, obviously, uh, people aren't as low on Kluber or aren't as, weren't as low on Kershaw last year as they are on Kluber this year, and we shouldn't be expecting Kluber in 2020 to have the 2019 that Kershaw did. But all it takes for a veteran is just to you know get people get to you used to him. You have one bad year. I thought DVR made a great point about the Indians' perception of him, maybe sullying the fantasy perception of him and the fact that they sold him off for what seemed like not a great package. I thought that was an excellent point by DVR. I think he is way underdrafted this year. Another guy, you got to love those guys who provide that easy, boring value. No one fights you for. Corey Kuber fits that to a T this season. 
Yeah, you know, and I'm trying to avoid uh, the the health question mark players at, at all positions. It's I think harder to do that at pitcher, and if you're talking about somebody with uh, you know an incredible ceiling, a top ten ceiling, then you know Kluber is certainly a a guy among the question marks that's worth targeting. And I thought Enos was interesting too. Corbin Burns will be the Brewers' second best pitcher. Also, be good to talk about that one with DVR as well. Um, I may want to have a conversation with Eno uh, about Adrian Hauser because <laughs> uh, I like him. <laughs> but, yeah, that's uh, Brewers uh, rotation. It's got, got mm-hmm. a lot of interesting names there. So a uh, lot more to dig into for sure. But do check that out. The 2020 Fantasy Baseball Bold Predictions uh, brought to you by Jake Seeley and by The Athletic. And uh, before you check that out, uh, we're just going to wrap things up here. And I just want to remind you that uh, if you're not already subscribing to The Athletic, you can get 40% off a subscription at theathletic.com slash baseball in 15. Everything that we do is part of the subscription. So if you're enjoying fantasy baseball in 15 on a platform that allows you to leave a rating and review, we would certainly appreciate it if you did do that. So for Michael Beller, I'm El Melchior, and we will be back here again on Monday. <laughs>